Hey guys, my name's Angel. I'm an animal services officer in Texas. I just wanted to give Officer Bishop a shout out for suggesting that I listen to the podcast. It took me about five weeks, but I am all caught up. Um, I've chatted with both of you a little bit on Instagram as your favorite ACO, uh, but that's it's uh, taken a wonderful turn. I'm liking where it's at, guys. Um, and for Animal Protection Officer Daniel, down here in Texas, we keep it humane, Maine. Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. With his awesome, not on vacation anymore, (laughs) co-host Ashley Bishop, welcome to the program. Can you stop reminding me of that, please? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can I just say, I? I love working summertime, but I can't wait till this shit is over. It's been a doozy. I I would agree to that. Did I tell you that when I was on vacation, they uh, did a search warrant on a house and found an American alligator in it? Shut up. Yeah. And you weren't there for that? No, I wasn't. I found out through Snapchat about it. <laughs> I'd have put my vacation on hold for that one. I, I'm cat- I got to get a next flight back home. <laughs> I need to see this thing. What did they end up doing with it? Um, they ended up finding a rescue for it, but it was funny because I'm like, oh, it's probably a caiman. Most people have caiman, you know, if they're going to do something so stupid. Mm. And they're like, no, no, it was an American alligator. It was just a baby because it was only about two feet long. And I'm uh-huh. like, well, shit. I wonder if that alligator is microchipped. We'll find out a little bit more about that today on this special episode of the Humane Roundup podcast. I'm really excited to announce that uh, we have our webpage back up don't ask just go to humaneroundup.com <laughs> okay. and uh, it should be back up and running check us out on instagram facebook humane roundup don't forget to check out ho bishop that's humane officer bishop and officer what am i animal protection officer daniel on both of those social medias as well i have a good story a good microchip story and we're going to have a great guest here today uh, from pet link most of you, I, I, well, I say most, a lot of you should know her. I've known Cheryl Ann for a long time, and she's she's great. So we'll, we'll introduce her here shortly. And if you've been to any animal welfare conference in certain regions of the country, you've met her uh, and had some great conversations with her. But before we go down that road, I had this, I, we've all had that situation where we scan an animal for a microchip. We call the chip company. And you hold your breath, right? You're like, ah, oh, I hope they registered this chip. Right. <laughs> like, please be registered in the database. My goodness. It drives uh, me nuts when the implant facility doesn't even have the registration information. I like, know. And that, that seems to happen more than not. I actually. Oh, my God. Like, what I, are you people doing? <laughs> I, I actually, actually just like a few weeks ago had one where I called, um, I want to say it was, uh, it's somewhere in Arizona. It's a humane society in Arizona and they had it and quick. It was like, they were like, can I just have the chip number? And they pulled it up in their records and I was able to get the dog home uh, pretty quickly. But a a lot of times I call and they're like, yeah, we don't have any information. That was back in 2008 or it was all paper records. But I do have a cool story. This happened several years ago. I pick up a stray or, you know, running a larger stray and scan it for a chip. 
call the chip company, get the information. And there was something a little bit askew, but I was like, yeah, I'll still call the person. And I call them and I'm like, hey, I'm Daniel with Animal Protection. Uh, I have your dog. And they're like, you have what? My dog's sitting right next to me on the couch right now. I was like, well, I have a dog that has a microchip that is registered to you. And uh, they actually still lived in the city that I I worked in. They weren't comfortable. And I get it. They weren't comfortable with me like popping over and scanning the dog. So I was like, will you please do me a favor? This would help this dog that I have. You know, I gave them all the outs. I was like, you can call the non-emergency police line. Like I'm a legit person, but they just, they felt that it was a scam. And I get it. Uh, Especially if you're at home with your dog and I'm calling and saying, I have your dog Mm -hmm. with me. Um, so what my thought was, they transposed it and I ended up being right. And so they took it to like, I don't know, like PetSmart or something like that and had it, they had it scanned there, sent me the chip number. I got that number ran and it matched the dog that I had. So, so whenever someone was doing the data entry, they swapped the two numbers and one, one went to that dog and one went to the dog that I had. And I was able to, it took probably an hour or so for them to like, go get it scanned, et cetera. Uh, but I was able to keep the animal with me on my truck and then return it to the owner and had them call whatever chip company that was and fix the error. That's awesome. But I mean, human error, right? Yeah. Like shit happens. You were able to at least figure it out, which is awesome. Um, it's kind of frustrating that in it has to be in this day and age that people have to think that you are, you know, BSing them. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately that's the world we live in now Um, it is it is and we'll ask our guests here about this in a second but some of the coolest microchips i've ever seen and the first one i saw was in an english bulldog you scan it it'll show you the chip number and then it shows you the damn internal temperature have you ever seen those oh yeah yeah and i wonder if it's more for uh, you know it, show dogs or whatever just to make sure they're they're cool especially if you have like a bulldog with brachycephalic and you want to make sure it's it's fine you can just scan it and get the obviously the chip number but you can get an internal temperature internal temperature reading which is probably pretty pretty good but if you're ever removing a dog from a hot car and you see that on a microchip don't be surprised and then you can just document that as well as long as the temperature that your veterinarian takes too so i have to imagine though that the chip reader has to have that function yeah that's a, so that's a great question and it's all our like i don't understand the technology and we may learn more here in a second but uh it's a really neat technology so how many people do you deal with on in average that are like oh you're gonna put a microchip in my dog so that whenever it gets lost i can just track it on my phone i had that uh, we did an event oh yesterday <laughs> we did an event yesterday and that sure came up uh, where they were like, oh, it's like a GPS tracker. No, no, it's not. not. <laughs> they it have them, but they're incredibly expensive. And they need to be recharged. Microchips yeah. do not run on red blood cells or anything like that. <laughs> they, they just, they're in, in there and they have a unique what, RFID. What, what if we could make them that they recharge like the shake lights did? Yeah, because the like, movement. Yeah, <laughs> I, we're on to something. We're going right. to... Well, we need to let's, that. <laughs> let's introduce our first guest today. I'm really excited to have a friend and someone I've known for several years in the industry, Cheryl Ann Fernandez with PetLink, who is the anim- one of the animal welfare representatives. How are you this morning? 
I am well, thanks. And thank you guys so much. I think you guys have probably solved a whole bunch of issues already with microchipping that I am just going to kind of like go along with what you both were talking about because it's pretty much right spot on. Well, so, yeah, thank you. We really, yeah, we really appreciate you joining us. And as mentioned, a lot of people probably know your voice or know your name, but there's probably some that don't. Would you mind just giving a brief introduction, kind of who you are and, and how you got into this line of work? Absolutely. So um, my name is Cheryl Ann Fernandez. I um, am the animal welfare rep for PetLink currently. But prior to that, my history kind of goes back um, all the way back to probably the late 80s, early 90s, where I've always loved animals, as most of us do. That's how we get into this business. Didn't really know where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Wildlife and, and exotic animals were always fascinating to me. But pets seemed to be the no-brainer. It was, you know, your local animal shelter, your local rescue organization, started volunteering at a local animal control facility. And I come from a family of law enforcement. So police, animal control, a lot of that was already in my wheelhouse. So I felt very comfortable around um, those kinds of um, situations. And I, I really believe that animal control is a very necessary part of this field and i do think that animal control officers were were to me they're very much like law enforcement who they're in the community they are the first line of defense and they're the first line of support so i started volunteering and then from there i started working at um creating a nonprofit organization because i was so fascinated with legislation so i created an organization with a friend of mine called tails which was teaching animal awareness and legislation so it was T-A-A-I-L, and I used to go to the state capitol back in the late 80s, early 90s, and lobby as a volunteer and got some great laws passed based on community. So this was all pre-social media, I have to tell you. So we literally would on, on phone campaigns, we would fax things to our state representatives, we would show up at the state capitol and rally, and we weren't, we weren't the ones that were crazy protesting, we were the ones that were literally dressing up and talking to our legislators and, and getting bills created and then laws passed based on that and then um an animal control department i became friendly with them they hired me as a part-time aco in fairfield connecticut and then i kind of worked my way up and i became a full-time animal control officer i was the first female officer they ever hired in the city of bridgeport connecticut and yeah. i worked there for a number of years Do you know bridgeport no, the first, the fact that you were first female humane oh, officer. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome, and and I um I probably was known to the police department more as the as the animal rights person as opposed to, and I really wasn't even animal rights. I just wanted to give free dog food to people that needed dog food and collars and light, you know, and things like that. And they didn't have that. Um, and I was basically handed a catch pole, as a lot of folks are, and keys to the van, and said, "Go forth and figure it out." And um, some crazy stories were, you know, me going into neighborhoods that probably didn't um, really have somebody who wanted to support them. And I remembered one of my first stories I had to pull up and there was this big old Rottweiler and I had no darn idea how I was going to get her in the van. And everybody around me was gathering and they're like, oh, I know her. She lives there. And she's I'm like, you know, the dog. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, geez, can you help me put her in the van? <laughs> And let me tell you, I, and that's how I did it. I mean, I just became friendly with the people in the community. And, and then after that, I, I worked for another um, animal control department as a supervisor. And then I jumped into the nonprofit side after that. And I, 
I worked for the Connecticut Humane Society in Connecticut. I worked for Baidui in New York. I then was a staff trainer at the ASPCA. So I've really done a lot of the industry on, on all different sides of it. The animal control has always been near and dear to my heart. That's always been kind of my my go-to because I love the legislation. I love the education of community. And, and I have the leadership from being a manager in nonprofits, but my real true, my real true heart has always been the field services and the training part of it. So, and then I got this job in 2013. My boss was looking on Indeed and I had my resume up there and I, I um, had a world prior to working in animal control. I was actually worked in cosmetics. And um, so I was a, a salesperson in cosmetics and my boss wasn't really looking for somebody that knew animal sheltering exclusively. He needed somebody to, to know how to sell a product. And so I like to say I sell a million dollars a year of a widget of a six dollar widget basically <laughs> so i kind of get a kick out of of you know literally working as a territory sales rep for a 31 year old rfid manufacturing company and um and i travel to 20 to 30 conferences a year pre-covid of course uh, about 19 states i cover um and i think it was either 2018 or 2019 it's been 142 days in hotels so oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of on the road. It's a lot of on the road. And I love it. I I wouldn't want to do anything else. So that's kind of my background and I and I also do compassion fatigue training. I'm a little out of the up-to-date training and stuff, but that was another thing I did for many years traveling around and doing compassion fatigue classes. And I love it because I think that is an important part of this industry. Would you be willing Oh now go ahead. Would you be willing, Cheryl, to talk a little bit about how you've seen the industry overall change in your years and different experiences you've had? Yeah, you know, I think that the, you know, the eight or so years as an ACO gave me a really good um, insight into that and the difficult balance of emotions. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen is social media and the internet has has changed. I mean, we all lived in our little communities and we knew things that were going on because say, you know, some of the national organizations were on, you know, TV commercials or they had they had state reps. But with social media, I'm seeing a much larger influence of national organizations, a lot more funding coming from different places, um, tons and tons and tons of small rescues and foster based where you didn't have them like you did before. Your go-to was your local animal control or your SPCA or Humane Society in your community. Now, everybody's doing rescue work. Everybody has got it on 501c3. Um, I think that's good. And I also think that that can be difficult to navigate because people don't know who to turn to anymore before they used to know to go to, you know, XYZ Humane Society, uh, um, you know, the post road or whatever. Now, I, I think that that the um the larger influences because of social media has changed because i've been doing this gosh i feel long in the tooth but 31 years probably i know i know you can't see me and i know i'm you know sound so much younger, <laughs> but you know but yeah i'm a, i'm um you know the gray hair i've earned there's no doubt about that can we talk a little bit about pet link and i guess explain the company as an overview and i know you talked about sales but just 
give our listeners an inside look on what what that is for you and, and how maybe they can get some information if they're looking for microchips and, and or scanners. Absolutely. So, so Data Mars is a manufacturing company. We're a Swiss-based manufacturer, and we don't make we make um, microchips for the pet industry, but we also make microchips for the cattle industry, the ear tags, as well as the textile industry. So, so Data Mars as a company is a 31-year-old manufacturing company, the second oldest manufacturing company of RFID products in the world. Avid is the oldest. Um, we make universal microchips and we um, um, distribute them and manufacture them globally. So we also have U.S. location in Temple, Texas. My office for the pet side is out of Boston. And um, there are four or five large companies that if you are looking for microchips, you want to stick with the big, you know, the big four or five. And Dan, the story that you shared about transposing numbers happens all the time and also about the pl implant facility Everything that um, our customers buy track back to them because they're the purchasing agency. So Datamars itself in the division I'm in is really, I focus on the companion animal side. We've got the vet division and the nonprofit division. So when people are looking at the universal microchips and the universal scanners, we are really a great go-to because we are, we, are, we are the company that makes them and we sell them direct. So when you go to some of these other companies, they're not necessarily the manufacturer of them. So there's a few layers to that onion when you're trying to peel it back. So when you call my company, you're actually getting who makes it. So if somebody sends me a microchip and they don't know who it comes back to, I can pretty much help them to tell them whether it's one of my brands or not because Datamars doesn't own just the 981 manufacturing code. We have other manufacturing codes as well. I get a lot of animals um, that are brought over for the military and people will call me and, and ask me to help try to figure that out. And it may, sometimes it actually tracks back to another division of my company, Data Mars. So that's always a fun hit too. I'm like, yay, we actually connected a dog. Um, and the same thing, if our company is, is connected with 31 search engines in um, European countries. So if you take your dog abroad, your dog gets lost, um, they can search that dog that came from America in their databases and then vice versa. So it's kind of a nice little edge that we have and we are developing, um, we just developed an app that you can download if you're one of our customers and you can use it on your phone. It's Apple and um, smartphone, Android. You can actually then take the universal microchip scanner, scan the animal, hover over the QR code on there and get the um, microchip number. It uploads right into AHA. It searches all of the databases and it will tell you what database it's in. And if it's in the PetLink database, it will actually give you the owner information right on the phone. And that is like genius. Our company created that and no other company does that. That's fantastic. So that's kind of, yeah, I know there's yeah. a widget for Chameleon right now that'll do something similar, not not with the phone, but in Chameleon, you can search it. Whereas before you would have to go to microchip ID finder online yeah. and put it in there yeah. and do all that good stuff. I know yeah, I guess. I know I got to do some of the beta testing in that like three day period um, that they had put it out. I was really excited mm -hmm. to use it. I just, I haven't had an opportunity to download the app yet, but I definitely oh, plan on good. doing that. Oh my God. I'm so excited to know that you were one of the beta testers. I've, yeah, some of my favorite clients through my, my, um, clients, I've, I pulled them up. And so Debbie must've, my coworker, Debbie must've, um, offered that to you guys too. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. 
Also, yeah. hi Debbie, if you're listening, because I've seen a thousand <laughs> yes, of hi Debbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, that's great. That's great. So, I am in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has lots of large animals, especially cows, because I don't care what you Californians say. Happy cows come from Wisconsin. Um, but I have never in my life, for whatever reason, considered scanning a cow for a microchip. So my question is, A, where does it get implanted in the large animals? And B, when we talk universal scanners, is it legit universal? Large animal, small animal, anything, the scanners will work for them? So, so the livestock is a little different. If you're talking feed cattle, like you're talking or dairy cattle in Wisconsin, you're probably going to see the ear tag. And that ear tag is actually an RFID tag. So that is what you're going to look at. You're going to look at that for your large animal if they have an ear tag. If you are now talking somebody who's showing their cattle or they're showing their goats um, or they have equine, you had talked about the temperature um, chip earlier. That's actually really great for horses because um, it's very difficult to um, always get that close to a horse to try to micro or not to scan him, I should say. So the, or to take his temperature for that matter. You don't necessarily always want to take a temperature. So you can do that by those microchips. They're not a hundred percent accurate because again, if that horse is sitting out in the sun, that heat could heat up his his skin. And, and so you still want to get him accurately temped. But going back to your question about the cows and the cattle, you're probably not going to find your typical pet style microchip in a, in a cow because that's not what they're doing because you can't put that into a food source um, animal. So you're really going to check like a goat is at the base of the tail or in the ear. Um, same thing with your sheep and your alpacas. So you do want to check everything, even even those alligators. You just <laughs> never know um, if they're going to be chipped. My partner has a tortoise, and we've got his tortoise chipped in the back left leg underneath the shell. So, um, and you, you can might get... you can chip birds, can't you? Absolutely. I have a lot of people that chip birds, and that's more in the breast area. I would only go to an avian vet for that. I would not trust um, myself or one of my coworkers, you know, to do that. I, I think that's a very delicate and birds, you know, they <laughs> they get a little flighty anyway. So the last <laughs> thing you want to do is come at them with a, with a chip. So, and a big, large needle. So I would, if I, any takeaway I would give to anybody listening to this is scan everything, scan your wildlife. I have a boat ton of, of clients that, that, you know, they do wildlife rehab and they microchip animals. So even if you've got dead wildlife, it sounds bizarre, but I've known, I've known officers to check everything. You, you we talk about, and this is serious stuff. And, and I, I think it's important that we should check everything, especially, I mean, there's a lot of pet raccoons in certain places. You can get mm -hmm. skunks that are D well, mostly D descented or distinct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you, uh, you've been to so many conferences and, and people act a fool there. How many humans have you seen microchip themselves? So I've actually heard of a, a small handful that have. 
The other um, story I've got, I've had a few um, folks at conferences. I can think of one person in particular who, as a joke, he swallowed a microchip at the, he's, somebody dared him and we were sitting there at the table. This is many years ago to a national conference and he swallowed it. And so I was like, well, we're going to take this to the limit. We walked around to all my competitors' tables and I wanted to use their microchip scanners and none of them picked up that microchip that he had swallowed except for the data Mars one. And oh. I loved that story. I was like, huh, my four or five other competitors, microchip scanners didn't even pick that up. That's so crazy. it is when you, when you, so feral cats are the other long lost animal that people don't think about scanning because they're, you know, who wants to deal with a feral cat? But if you get them properly situated in, in a, in a cage, whether it, you know, be the trap that they were caught in, or if you can get them moved into another, you know, plastic carrier or something or a holding cage. If you, if you are just patient and you've got a really strong universal scanner, you can actually pick up microchips more so than you would believe. And then you can check for that rabies certificate. You can get that cat back to the colony. Um, your live release rate just went up and your euthanasia rate just went down. And a lot of times people don't think to scan feral cats. They may see their ear tipped, so then they think, oh yeah, you know, we know that the cat's at least got one rabies vaccine in them. Yeah. But I would I would suggest trying your darndest out there to scan your ferals as well. I I don't know how this would sit with pet owners or our listeners, but I'm gonna bring it up anyway. I would love to see microchips have the ability to basically link any veterinary records for for any of that so if you bring in a dog to a vet clinic it's almost like the carfax on a car whereas now if i'm doing an investigation i pull the chip and i see every vet contact that this animal's ever had is that mm -hmm. i guess from your perspective is that a violation of client patient privileges like where where do you sit on that there's no kind of so, privilege. I well, I know there's right. not. I know there's not, <laughs> but it's argued all the it's uh, it's argued all the time. But don't start <laughs> spreading rumors. <laughs> but animals are considered property. So at what point in time are we gonna be able to infringe on somebody's personal property rights? I mean, that's where it comes to. We can't even get one national database Thank for microchips to go into. I need and that. I, I, uh, yeah, and it's frustrating as, yeah, I'm not going to swear on this podcast. I swore <laughs> to myself I wouldn't swear. But we, I mean, you're all these different private companies, you know, in mine, just as guilty. I work for a private company that owns our own, you know, own database, as do all of my competitors. And you might be able to search it in the pet microchip lookup, you know, dot org link for AHA, but it's just going to tell you where it's enrolled. So, my company can have any of our competitors, our, my um, database can have any of our competitors' microchips enrolled in there as, as the same with my competitors' software, or I mean um, database. They can have my microchips enrolled in there. So just because you're getting a 981 scanned manufacturing code, which is, you know, did the DataMars pet link, it could be in four or five other databases. So you really have to do your due diligence and see. My partner's got a dog with a competitor microchip in it, and it's in his name in that database. And then we put that dog in PetLink in 2014 or 2015. So she's enrolled legitimately in two different databases. Now, is that not confusing? It sure is. So 
it's really up to the officers to really navigate and understand the messy waters of microchipping, registry, transferring of owners. Um, it's not an easy, it's not an easy field to understand. And you guys have so many other things that you have to worry about in the sheltering world. You've got everything from parvo to adoptions to funding to, you know, kittens that are are coming out your ears. It's raining kittens in the spring and summer. How do you navigate all of that and go, oh, let me figure out this microchip world. So my phone is always available. You know, Facebook friend request me if you want. I will answer questions all day long about how to navigate the microchip world because that's all I do now. Like, that's all I do. That's my world. So I'm happy to give free information and I'm not going to ask you to buy my microchip. So I promise you I won't. That is a good segue, though, to how to buy your microchips. I think it's important because some people may not know or, or have that ability. So where do people go to figure that out? So, you know, it's 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 a blessing and a curse social media. There's no doubt about it. But there's not a day that goes by in one of the chat rooms that somebody isn't asking questions about microchips. Um, and I am happy to answer questions to somebody about, geez, what are microchips? I will tell you to don't compare apples to oranges when you're looking at your microchip companies. Look at the services they offer. Look at what the pet parent is going to get from that company. Um, look at what the annual renewal feeds are going to be, or if there aren't, look at if they're going to track back. There are a lot of these, these um, manufacturers, there are a lot of these 900 chip codes and these these odd microchip companies that are literally just buying bulks and bulks of microchips from other countries, from China or wherever, and they don't track back. So I may go online and order from some no-name brand because they're only $3 a microchip or $2 a microchip. Well, they don't track back to me when I buy that. So I have to then re-enroll it back to myself. And then the pet owner has to now enroll it for a fee as well. So really buyer beware, read the fine print, understand and the same thing with universal scanners. There's not a week that goes by that somebody's not asking for a donated scanner or, oh, well, I went on Amazon and I found this scanner for 99 bucks. Well, good. How long is that going to last you? What's the warranty on that? You bought it on Amazon. Good luck trying to return that if, if something breaks. Um, and does it read all the microchips? Does it read all the frequencies? So you, you have to understand universal versus non-universal. There are some companies that still only sell non-universal in the United States. So if that animal travels abroad, it's not going to be recognized because in Europe, they don't really recognize a nine or a 10 digit number. They only recognize a 15 digit number. Um, so you can actually go to PetLink and you can kind of research the Datamars. Go to the datamars.com site if you want to learn a little bit more about the companion animal division. And it's fascinating. We also manufacture microchips for the textile industry as well. So again, we're a, we're a fully integrated RFID manufacturer, not just the pet side, but the cattle side and the textile side. So if you're kind of geeky and you like that RFID stuff, feel free to kind of poke at our, our website and see what we have to offer. And ordering microchips is really about a relationship. Um, I don't like to say I'm a sales rep. I like to say I'm a, I'm a natural born networker. I will connect people together with other people. I will let you kind of pick my brain about stuff. If I don't know the answer, I guarantee you I'm going to know somebody who does. Um, and that's maybe because I've been in the industry a long time. But I also like to make sure that everybody's fully educated on what they're doing before they make that decision. I I would like to put a plug in for you guys. Um, 
for my events where I offer $10 microchips and free rabies vaccines, I've always, nope, I can't say that. My first first round of microchips did not come from you guys, but I have since over the years been been util, utilizing PetLink. Um, Debbie's been fantastic to work with for that. The benefit for me is the mass upload. I can that- register everybody. I put it in a spreadsheet. And I send it off all at once. Excellent. And we integrate with, oh gosh, 20 or 30 software providers. So if you have a shelter software or a veterinary software and you're putting in all of the owner information, the pet's information, the microchip number, they get a welcome email from us. You are now assigned as guardian. And the same thing when you do that mass import, you are now signed as guardian. So if Fluffy gets loose and I don't know, San Antonio Animal Control picks them up, they're going to not only contact the owner, but they're going to contact you as the microchip implanter and guardian as well. So um, if you didn't enroll those the way you're doing it, you'd get tracked back for, for implant facility, but we wouldn't send you a separate message and say, hey, Officer Bishop, one of your animals has been reported as found by you know San Antonio Animal Control or whoever. So that's very unique to us um and the people cannot take you off as guardian so the pet owner will always be the primary contact but you are the guardian not a secondary but actually the guardian on that and that will travel no matter who that animal gets um transferred a lot of rescues use that right so they'll they'll be the primary contact and they have it written in their contract that if like the animal gets lost they can redeem or or something like that so yeah and and that's a I'm, I have to be careful with that because I have a few of my customers that do it that way. I wouldn't recommend you being the primary contact because if it's at two in the morning and your dog happened to slip out the door, I want to be the owner who literally gets called, not the organization that I adopted that time. Like I'm here on vacation in, in upstate New York right now. And if my dog got loose and the local majesty, you know, the local people picked up the dog, I'm right here on Highway 30, you know, as opposed to I adopted the dog in Connecticut where I live. I don't want them to call the rescue organization in Connecticut because the rescue organization doesn't know that I'm up here visiting my friends in New York. So, well, what rescue the rescue person is on vacation, doesn't have access to their records. And now we wait even longer until they get home. Exactly. And I'm frantically looking for my dog up in the, you know, the Adirondacks. So, Um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, nothing's 100%. I mean, we all try to do right by the animals. We all try to do our best to make sure that they're safe and secure. And and I applaud people for doing that. But I also know that, you know, there are some crappy owners out there and there are some crappy rescues out there. But we all, if we all work together, I do believe that microchipping really does make a difference in pet reunification, pet connection. microchipping wasn't big and popular when I was an animal control officer. I think everything, as I said earlier, needs to be microchipped because that is their voice for those voiceless animals. And they can't speak, but their microchip speaks for them. So please, please, anybody listening, make sure that your microchip registration and enrollment is up to date. That is a huge thing that people forget to do. They adopted their dog and they think that the rescue organization updated everything or they you know or your veterinarian pops that microchip in they give you a piece of paper and tell you to go home and enroll 
Um, and a All lot right. of times people don't. As, as we get close to wrapping up, I have a question that some people may, may not like, and it's, it's fine. Like it's, it's a question because it's been done in other jurisdictions. And what are your thoughts on making the microchip the same as like the, the city or county license? And that we know that was done in uh, Albuquerque by Adam Ritchie, who used to join our podcast when he was in the, in the industry. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? You know, I actually am fascinated by it. Um, I don't have, I can't think of the top of my head, anybody that I know, I've, I've, it's, it's sort of like one of those things that people talk about, but how many people have actually done it in their municipalities? Um, it doesn't bother me because it's one less tax for or one less fee that a pet owner has to pay for. Um, it could be, you know, the life of that pet. I don't know how then they would get their revenue if that's a revenue stream for them. But for licensing, maybe they can figure that out on their own. But I don't think it's such a bad thing. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Because you're out in the field and you would run a department that would say yay or nay to something like that, right? I'm indifferent. I think my perspective is if if you were going to do that, they would still have to have some sort of identification tag on the collar or harness of the dog because we want it. I really utilize the you know the the license or the tag as a way to not even need to be involved unless it's a frequent flyer, right? So if we can get the dog home without ever even going to the call, that's so much more efficient. So as long as it's coupled with a name tag and an up to date phone number, I'm okay with it. Bishop, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I agree that we want the tag on so that Joe Blow off the street can help get the dog home ahead of time. I will say in my jurisdictions, well, uh, three of the four, um, you get a discount if you light, you have your animal microchip, depending on the jurisdiction, you either get a $5 or an $8 discount on your license every year. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I've seen that too. And, you know, spayed and neutered as well. So yep. you get a discount and maybe the department, the municipality can still produce a tag, but with that microchip number on it and the phone number. I mean, there's certainly ways as, as Dan, you've been in the business a long time. I've been in the business a long time. Maybe that's the new evolution of microchipping and licensing. Maybe that's the new thing to check out. I mean, We've been doing it the same way for a long time and we're all comfortable with that, but is that really the most innovative way to do it? So I'd be curious to talk to some of the pet data companies um, that man that that do the dog licensing that you could hire. Maybe they would be a great guest for you to talk to too and see what they think of it. Because we really do need to get more streamlined in in those types of um, things that we do at the law enforcement level, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I think there's some, really some great stuff and I want people to reach out. We can put a link into the show notes to Datamars. Uh, we can add your email if you're comfortable with that into the link Absolutely. as well. And yeah. just reach out if you have questions or need any help or need new microchip scanners. You know, don't forget to get to these conferences this year and register there's usually little raffles that you can win a scanner i've yet to do it I, i've yet to win it I, I do it every time i do like i probably put like 40 entries in one <laughs> i'm just kidding but if you get a chance to to, yeah. to try to win a scanner go ahead and do that and 
uh, just network. And this is all for us. Like we're here as a, you know, a growing and evolving profession and, and having technology assist us with that is insanely huge. Mm-hmm. My, one of my ideas, and I'm going to just throw it out here on the show and I've said it in person is we just need a little, a little attachment for the phone and you just scan it yep. and boom, it just pops yep. up right yep. on your, right on your smartphone. Well, th- you and I can talk about this and I would, um, let's see, you're in Colorado, right? Yes. So we can have a conversation um, with um, the folks that rep Colorado, which again is Debbie. Um, maybe we can have you do a little beta testing and you can go on. Maybe we can have another podcast with maybe our developers to talk to you about how this works because kind of what you're doing, it's not a scanner, but it's an app for to scan. So it's gonna read the microchip scanner, but I absolutely understand where you're going. Yeah, it would so, be more efficient for a department. Uh, everyone, okay, if you have a microchip scanner and I tell you right now, you either have to put a piece of tape on it or push down on the screen to get all the letters or numbers to show up, you feel my pain. <laughs> You know what yeah. I'm talking about. So uh, uh, I've had three microchip <laughs> scanners just completely disappear. Yeah. Like, poof. And then the, yeah. the whole point back to what you were saying earlier, Cheryl Ann, is like, think about it. If it's right there on your phone and you scan it, mm-hmm. boom, it auto populates mm-hmm. everything. You don't even like it takes the yep. overhead not to take people away yeah. from their jobs, but now we don't need yeah. call centers, right? We don't have to wait on hold, yeah. uh, yep, et cetera. Exactly. So just and creative brainstorming. Right. You can do it at two in the morning or two in the afternoon, right in the field. And, yep. you know, you just have to have Wi-Fi access. And I get and I understand that not every ACO and in, in shelter in this country has great Internet access or or Wi-Fi on their phone. Some of them are still using flip phones. So there is, you know, again, that's a broader conversation and a, and a different topic. But there are opportunities for that technology to serve your purposes and make your job a lot easier. And and yes, absolutely going back to your your story before when you introduced um, talking about microchips, there is not a week that goes by that I don't have a client or or somebody saying that, oh, that microchip number is already registered. That's because somebody transposed the numbers and that, you know, they may be in North Carolina and that dog may be in California with the wrong microchip number and because somebody fat fingered it. So they yeah. put in the wrong 15 digit number. I've had clients of mine insist that how can my company make the same microchip number in two different microchips and what a horrible company I work for and how do you do? Well, that's because that didn't happen. That is impossible to happen. Somebody typed in the same digits, you know, in two different in two different microchips and two different dogs. So and I say to my clients all the time, can you please have those animals rescanned? Can you please yep. have that animal rescanned? And then I call the other parent that owns that other dog in whatever country or whatever state and they do the same thing and i never ever ever get an apology from the clients who insisted my company is is microchipping the same numbers in two different microchips and i just okay i'm moving on so i i it's human error and and aco bishop i think you said the same thing there are a lot of things that people kind of mess up sometimes and and don't even realize it because you're so busy and I'm not going to fall to anybody for it. But my God, like, just make sure you're typing in the numbers, right? Or get one of those barcode scanners and then just click it right into your computer and have it just auto-populate your Excel spreadsheet or your software. And that would just eliminate fat fingering it all the time. 
Well, we really appreciate you taking time today and joining us and enlightening our listeners on just the, you know, scanner, scanners, microchips, the whole process. And it's something that, you know, is a huge component of what we do. So we want to continue to build on this relationship. If if you do have some tech folks from Datamars that want to come on and are interested, please send them our way. We'll be happy to have them on. Uh, again, shout out to Debbie if she's listening. Maybe you and her can come on or uh, if we we can maybe well when i see you at a training we can we can chat and maybe do a little bit of an in-person interview as well so i would love it oh my gosh i'm looking forward to seeing you in less than two months i know it i'm excited thank cool. you and thank yeah. you so much for inviting me too it was, i was it was i was tickled when you when you reached out to me so thank you very much it's been a long time since i've seen you because of the covid lockdown so i appreciate yeah. you keeping me in your in your um in your small circle well, yeah, and please say hi to Rob for for me too. I hope to see him here in a few absolutely. months as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and definitely, we look forward to getting back in person and seeing everybody. So, Bishop, you have anything else before we get rolling? Nothing other than I uh, appreciate this. I'm I'm over here giggling a little bit because Sherilyn, I can hear your dog barking, and, <laughs> yeah. and my, well, my dog is barking. One of my dogs is barking too, and it's like they're barking at each other, even though they can't hear each other. Oh, but, and it's funny. the how the friend that I'm visiting is actually retired from this field as well, and she's got three dogs here, and they're her dogs. So uh, I'm sitting <laughs> in the beautiful Lake Saranac in the Adirondacks right now, and um, I'm surrounded by gorgeous nature, and um, yeah, and and some great dogs and and animal welfare friends, and and as as um, Dan mentioned, my partner is a supervisor of an animal control facility, and I met him selling microchips. So I live, live it, eat it, breathe it, and this is my life. So, but yeah, but thank you. It's it's she's uh, barking at probably people walking by. <laughs> That's fair. I like to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, we again thank you for joining us, and thanks again for listening. Please check us all out on the social medias. That is Humane Roundup on Instagram, Facebook, H.O. Bishop, Humane Officer Bishop, and Animal Protection Officer Daniel. And as always on the Humane Roundup, we like to say thanks again and keep it humane. Humane. Humane.